0: Well, today it's my uh, privilege to talk about wives and husbands. Um, contrary to what Steve said a couple weeks ago, however, I did not ask for this assignment. Um, Steve shared the assignment. But uh, no, I'm happy to, happy to address this issue, but, but as, I, as I come to this, I realize, I mean, it is a weighty issue, right? I mean, talking about marriage and the dynamics of marriage, it is a weighty issue. And we, When we come to a, a passage like we're looking at today, I understand that there's just a lot at stake in this room, in your marriages, in terms of how we think about what Peter teaches us. And so I feel the weight of that as we come to this passage today, much at stake in every marriage in this room. And also know that just you know, talking about marriage can stir up so many emotions, just the topic alone, um, longings to be married, disappointment, God, why haven't you pro- provided the right person for me? heartbreak over failed marriages, Um, you know, the pain of a current marriage. And so, I mean, there's all that stuff, you know, that's going on just when you bring up the topic of marriage. And so I guess I would just say, as we we come to this passage today, invite Jesus, speak to my heart, uh, address my situation, wherever I'm at related to this issue of marriage. I mean, it may be part of what God has for you today is something that that you need to share with someone else to encourage them, you know. So just... Open yourself to what Jesus wants to say to you this morning. Today we're looking at 1 Peter 3, 1 through 7. As you turn there, let me remind you of the, the context of what's going on as we come to this part of the, the letter. Back in 2.12, Peter had commanded us to keep our conduct honorable um, so that out there in the world people would see us, our good deeds. They would see it and they would give glory to our Father in heaven. He's wanting us to live in a way that has an evangelistic and apologetic uh Approach for, for the gospel. So he says that, and, in, and then in the very next verse in 213, he, he says that we are to be subject for the Lord's sake to every human institution. And so he's been walking through some of those things. How we relate to governing authorities. He's talked about how servants are to relate to masters. And now he comes to the home and, and husbands and wives. In the text we're looking at today, there are six verses for wives. There's one for husbands. Uh, Maybe because you just got to slow it down for us men. I don't know. But no, um, let me assure you, ladies, that uh, half, uh, you know, six-sevenths of our time will not be addressing wives. (laughs) We'll try to even it up, right? Okay. So that means I'm going to have to move a little quicker through the the instructions to wives. We will not be able to answer every question, and there's a lot there, because we do want to get to uh, spend about half of our time talking about husbands, and there's a very real practical reason why Peter uh, spends more time talking to wives. Is is the gospel was uh, penetrating this part of the world more women? There's just a lot more women were responding, and, and so there's a unique situation that he needed to address uh, for wives. And so, um, so husbands and wives. Let's look at uh, Peter's instructions first for for wives, and, and really, as the the point there says. His, his most of his time, he's, he's going to be talking about wives of unbelieving husbands. Look at verse 1. It says, likewise, wives, be subject to your own husbands. That's a, that's a command for all wives. I think at that point, he's talking to wives, whether your husband's a believer or not. He's saying that to all wives. But everything else that he will say following this will be for wives who have unbelieving husbands. And, and so I want to just kind of sit with this, this command right here for a little bit. But before we do that, let me let me kind of explain um, some different thoughts that people have about this command. Um, Bible-believing Christians differ on whether this command for wives to submit to their husbands still apply today. Some come to these passages and believe that there were cultural issues going on in the day that no longer apply, and, and so these, these uh, in Christ these these role distinctions of the husband as a leader and the wife stepping underneath that leadership they just don't apply. There's kind of this shoulder to shoulder, uh, together out of love, moving together through life. And uh, this would be what's called an egalitarian view of marriage. And I note some of your, some of your views here. And, and I just want you to know that I respect that position, that approach to these scriptures. Others look at the very same passages and believe that these instructions do still apply. And that would be my uh, understanding of these scriptures. That would be face understanding of these scriptures. Uh, Husbands and wives, they have equal value. They're both created in the image of God, as Genesis tells us. But we have these roles that are designed by God to complement each other. And so the husband's called to be the leader, um, and the wife is to respond to that leadership by offering her submission. This is what's called a complementarian view of marriage. It's a complicated issue. Christians disagree. But I just thought it was important for you to know my framework as I come to these passages, okay? So back to the text. When Peter says likewise, he's referring back to chapter 2, verse 18, where he had commanded servants to be subject to their masters out of reverence for the Lord. And he's saying to wives here, likewise, in the same way, that has to be your motivation in obeying this. It's reverence for the Lord. It's your love for Christ that needs to be the fuel behind your obedience to this. Now, I think it's important to notice that Peter says to be subject to your own husbands, not to all men. This is a statement about marriage, not about how all men and women are to relate. It's about marriage. It's about your marriage. We also must understand that submission is something that a wife, out of love, voluntarily chooses to offer to her husband. I don't see anywhere in Scripture where Scriptures tell husbands to demand this. Submission means that a wife chooses to respect her husband's role as the leader, and she chooses to step under his leadership. Now, there's so much that I should wish I had time to say what that means and what it doesn't mean, but the main thing I want to hear you hear, want you to hear is that it's a, it's a gift. It's a gift of love that a wife offers to her husband. Now. Peter gives us command, but he doesn't explain kind of the, the, what I would call like the, the divine order of marriage, God's design for marriage. And so I, I want to actually go back to Ephesians for a little bit or go to Ephesians for a little bit to, to read a passage that Paul writes because he kind of fleshes out the whole picture. And, uh, and so I want to read a few verses from Ephesians 5, not the whole passage that he addresses marriage, but, but a few that at least gives us a picture. And so in, in 5, starting verse 23, the apostle Paul says this, And so Paul kind of paints the full, full picture there, right? Instructions for husbands and wives. And, and his command is rooted in the nature of Christ's relationship with the church. And so in the way that the church is subject to Christ, Paul says, so too a wife is to be subject to her husband. And in the same way that Christ sacrificially loved the church and gave himself for the church, so too a husband is to sacrificially love and serve his wife, giving of himself to her, And so this mutual action of husbands and wives offering themselves to each other out of love in these ways is to be a model, a picture of Christ and the church. The husband loves his wife by offering sacrificial service and leadership, always seeking what's best for his wife. The wife loves her husband by willingly, willingly responding to his servant leadership and offering her own submission to him. That's my understanding of this, the divine order of marriage, the way God designed it. And and Peter, in his passage, I believe he assumes that, but he didn't flesh it all out and explain it. And so I thought it was important to look at that. Peter, on the other hand, has more of an evangelistic reason for what he writes. These women whose husbands do not believe. And so look at the passage again. So he says back in 1 Peter, Likewise, wives, be subject to your own husbands so that even if some of them do not obey the word, they may be won without a word by the conduct of their wives when they see your respectful and pure conduct. Now, in the day when Peter's writing this, it was expected that a wife would worship the God of her husband. And it was expected that a wife would not have friends apart from her husband's friends. A wife who worshiped a different God, a wife who followed Jesus and then went off to gather with those people to worship Jesus, she was violating all kinds of cultural norms. One of the things that was so important in this Roman culture is an orderly household. That's why they have these household codes. And it was the husband's job to keep order in the home. And so a wife doing this, I mean, she's violating all sorts of principles of an orderly home. It was so important in that culture. These are wives that are in a very delicate situation. So Peter urges them to win their husbands without a word. They needed to be careful in their situation to not presume to instruct their husbands. They needed to live with respectful and pure conduct. And one way they could do that is what he says in the next two verses. Peter says, do not let your adorning be external, the, the braiding of hair and the putting on of gold jewelry or the clothing you wear, but let your adorning be the hidden person of the heart with the imperishable beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which in God's sight is very precious. I don't think Peter is making a universal prohibition against these things. And uh, uh, I think he's simply emphasizing that what really matters is, are the internal things, the internal stuff, your character, because that is what would win the husband, right? But I think there's a very practical reason why he, he, he tells them to be very careful to, to pay attention to the internal, not make it all be about the external stuff. These are things common in that culture, braiding hair, putting on jewelry, clothing you wear, um, but see, as I mentioned, a wife who worshipped a God that her husband did not and then who went off to gather with people that were not her husband's friends was doing something that was already scandalous. And for her to go there dressed in a way designed to attract attention, and it may look like she's trying to atta- attract the attention of another man, I mean, just furthered the scandal and was bringing shame upon her husband. And it was detrimental to winning her husband. Peter wants these wives to focus on the internal stuff because that's what could win their husbands, being gentle, this gentle and quiet spirit. He doesn't want these wives to be argumentative and combative and complaining and contentious with their husbands because that would not win them to Christ. But gentleness can. And gentleness is for all of us, right? That's a fruit of the Spirit. We all should have gentleness. But he also wants him to have this quiet spirit. And I think it's a, it's a quietness that's rooted in faith in God. I, I, I trust him. And I'm going to have this kind of quietness, quiet, gentle spirit, internal stuff, trusting that God can win my husband through that kind of behavior. He goes on then, and he uses Sarah uh, as an example of the kind of behavior that he's urging So he says in verse 5, For this is how the holy women who hoped in God used to adorn themselves by submitting to their own husbands, as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord. And you are her children if you do good and do not fear anything that is frightening. And so, having talked about how a wife should be adorned, he says that the way the holy women of old used to adorn themselves was by doing exactly what Peter's commanding. They submitted themselves to their own husbands. Now, because I need to get on and, and talk about husbands, I, I don't have time to explain all the possibilities. There's a lot going on in these two verses. I actually wrote up uh, some notes in my manuscript uh, about what, how people understand what does this mean that she obeyed and, and, and what's the dynamics there. And there's a lot there. So if you want to go to the website and grab my sermon notes, tomorrow or the next day you can read a little bit more about what's going on in this, this passage. But the point is, Peter wants all wives to submit to their husbands, and he uses Sarah as an example of a a holy woman of old who submitted to her husband. Okay. As we think about application, um, obviously one principle that Peter is making here is that if you're in a situation where your husband does not follow Christ, and I think you could broaden it up and say, if you have a husband who's not really walking with Jesus, your conduct have a powerful influence in his life by submitting to him, by living with him with a quiet and gentle spirit, by respecting him, by by doing those kind of things, you proclaim the gospel through your conduct. You can win them without a word. I don't think Peter, you know, he's obviously not giving guarantees here, but he's saying this kind of approach is powerful. And so trust God to help you pursue this kind of life with your husband. Submit to him, follow him, respect him, um, trusting that that can have an influence on his life. You know, I was processing this passage with my wife this week and asked her, you know, what, what would you say to a woman who struggles to submit to their, to their husband? And uh, I mean, we all struggle with these kind of things, right? Submitting, when we, there's places we need to submit, we just all, this, is, this is a human struggle, right? But I asked her, what what would you say? And I think what she says has a lot of wisdom. This is what she said. Ask Jesus what is keeping you from submitting. Ask him, is there some kind of pride or fear or power struggle that's keeping you from offering your submission? It could be a great place to start. If you struggle with this, Ask Jesus. I think he would be happy to talk to you about that. I think he'd be happy to show you what it is, you know. And By the way, husbands, I think it wouldn't be a bad idea for us to ask Jesus if there's anything in how we are relating to our wives that's making it hard for them to submit um, to us. You know, my almost 32 years of marriage, um, when I'm loving Cindy like I'm supposed to, issues of submission, they just don't come up. Right? It's just not even a dynamic you have to think about. And so I think the husband's behavior, how we treat our wives, has a lot to do with their, how hard this command is. So it might be a good question for you to ask Jesus this week. Jesus, is there anything in my life, in terms of how I'm relating to my wife, that makes this hard? Let me add a couple other thoughts before we turn to husbands. First, wives. Um, the first is this. You are never commanded to offer unquestioning, absolute obedience to your husband. I mean, when you think about the dynamic of what's going on in the situation that Peter is addressing, he's writing to women who have chosen to follow a different God. They were already, I mean, they were not offering unquestioning obedience to their husbands. And Peter is not saying that there's anything wrong with that, right? I mean, it was good that they followed Jesus first. So you never offer unquestioning obedience. And so... I think what, what Scripture would say is, well, obviously Scripture says you must always obey God first. God is before any human, even if that human is your, your husband. But, but I think what Peter is saying, as far as you are able to honor and obey God and still submit to your husband, do that. And that can be really hard sometimes, but you never are offering unquestioning obedience. God always comes first, okay? Okay. Secondly, I I want to say this to any woman who right now is in a situation where you're experiencing some kind of abuse in your marriage. It could be physical, it could be emotional, verbal, um, spiritual. This command to submit to your husband does not mean that you have to stay in a situation and just take the abuse. It does not mean that. I would encourage you to reach out to someone, reach out to a friend. Uh, Faith has all sorts of men and women that stand ready to to support you, to help you, to walk alongside of you as you navigate what it means to change this dynamic, to change this situation. But you just need to know a command to submit means you just have to take it. It does not mean that. Let me say this to husbands um, related to this command for wives to be subject to their, their husbands. Um, I believe, um, and I said it before, it, it's not your place to demand your wife's submission. And I think there may be a way to sort of maybe humbly invite, humbly ask, but I think you should never be in a position of demanding your wife's submission. It is her gift to offer to you. And I would say this, if your wife is not submitting to you, do not make that your focus. Make your focus Jesus' instructions to you, and his instructions to you are to love your wife like Christ loved the church, sacrificially, putting her first, whether she submits to you or not. That is Jesus' instructions to you. I'm thankful that in nearly 32 years of marriage, as best as I can remember, I have never told or commanded Cindy to uh, submit to me. I've never done that. I've wanted to more than a time or two. Um... But I've never said it, and I'm thankful because it would not have gone well, uh, first of all. Um, it's just not my place. That's her gift to offer, right? Okay, so let's turn uh, our attention to husbands uh, and what he says in verse 7. And, and one thing I want to say before you even look at this, we read this with our, our, you know, kind of our 21st century ears, and we don't hear how radical what Peter is saying here. What he's saying here is radical. If we would have an awareness of, of the household codes of the day, he would, you know, the, those codes would have said something more like, uh, wives, obey your husbands, submit to them. And then they would have go gone on to husbands and say, "And husbands, here's how you make them obey. Peter does something very different. It's radical. He says, likewise, husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way, showing honor to the woman as a weaker vessel, since they are heirs with you of the grace of life so that your prayers may not be hindered. Again, when he he says likewise, he's connecting back to that idea that it's reverence for, for the Lord that needs to be the motivation for how a husband treats his wife. Live with your wives in an understanding way. Be considerate and sensitive to their needs. Do not be demanding. Honor, show honor to the woman as to the weaker vessel. And and Steve has explained before, and I I love how he he describes this, Uh, Peter, in acknowledging that in this cultural situation, uh, Peter, in saying this, he's acknowledging that uh, men in this situation, I mean, they held most of the power, politically, economically, socially, physically, and that's been true in most cultures and most times. And so Peter, in light of that, is urging husbands, do not use your power to dominate your wife. Honor them. As a fellow heir of the grace of life. Again, that's a pretty radical thing he's saying. Because in in this day, a woman's inheritance rights were subordinate to the man. But Peter's saying, in God's economy, it's a different thing. Men and women are equal. Your wife is a fellow heir of the grace of life. In saying this, Peter's radically elevating the status of women. And he's saying, they're your equals in in the spiritual realm before God. So treat them as such, honor them as such. What's at stake for a husband obeying this command? The quality of your relationship with God. Your wife too, but he says with God, he says, do this so that your prayers may not be hindered. Now, why would your prayers be hindered if you don't honor your wife, if you don't live with her in an understanding way? Well, I think it's as simple as this. Anytime we don't obey God, anytime we live in disobedience to Him, that, that affects our relationship with Him. That, that, that hinders, that short-circuits one's relationship with God. So if you don't do this, you're just disobeying God, and it's short-circuiting your relationship with God. Okay. Let's think a little bit about application for husbands. Let me ask you this. As you think about your your wife and kind of the dynamic of your relationship, man, what do you tend to focus on? Do you make it your focus to think, how can I honor my wife today? How can I show her? How can I live with her in an understanding way? Or do you tend to focus more on, she doesn't submit to me? Uh, What is your focus? Whether or not your wife is submitting to you, whether she is following you in all the ways that you think, Jesus' word to you is focus on loving your wife by living with her in an understanding way. Focus on how you can seek to honor her as a fellow heir of of the grace of life. Don't focus on what she's not giving you, focus on what you are to be giving her. Focus on what Jesus tells you to do. Two days ago, I asked Cindy, um, "You know, what can I do to live with you in an understanding way?" And this, and, you know, we've been married thirty-two years, so we've talked about this before. But it's good to have a check-in once in a while, right? So uh, here's some of what she shared: I need to focus on if I'm going to live with her in an understanding way. I need to. She said, "Listen to my thoughts, hear my perspective." See my strengths and encourage me in those things. Encourage me to be better in the things I love. Be my cheerleader. Understand that even though my ideas are different than yours at times, that doesn't mean they're wrong. And That last one in some ways may be the hardest, right? I mean, we just always think we're right about stuff, but my perspective is right. But if I'm going to live with Cindy in an understanding way, I need to listen I need to hear, I need to understand her perspective. And it doesn't necessarily mean I have to agree, but we've got to figure out how to work, move forward together when you have those different perspectives. That is living with her in an understanding way. And so I've got a lot to work at. There's a lot there that I need to focus on. Husbands, how about you ask your wives today, at this point in our marriage, at this time in our life, what does it look like for me to live with you in an understanding way? And then just listen. Don't defend. Don't argue. Just listen. Make a list and start working on those things. Live with your wife in an understanding way. And uh, I believe Peter is saying, well, I think he's saying your marriage is going to improve. He's also saying your prayer life will improve if you will do those things. Last thought for husbands. You know, regretfully, at times men have looked at this command that wives submit to your husbands, and they have believed that it gives them a license to dominate their wives. I want to say this as clearly and as strongly as possible. Men, to live with your wife in an understanding way means there's absolutely no place for you to ever use your power to dominate and to control your wife, ever. Let me get specific. If you are putting your hands on your wife out of anger, you're not living with her in an understanding way. If you are verbally just, you know, there are words that are so angry coming out and you're, you're trying to use your anger to control her and to dominate her, you're not living with her in an understanding way. If you think her unique needs are just, they're just not worth enough to think about, they're not important enough, you're not living with her in an understanding way. If, uh, if you're being harsh with your wife through your stone-cold silence, you're not living with your wife in an understanding way. And all that needs to stop. It has to stop. If any of that kind of dynamic is going on in your marriage, I I want to ask you to do something. And and this will be hard. It will require you to humble yourself. But I would ask that you would talk to someone, that you would tell someone it has to come out of the dark. It has to. And, And if this kind of dynamic's going on, you probably are not just going to be able to change by yourself. Again, Faith stands ready with a bunch of men that want to walk with you and help you and and help you navigate what it's going to mean to change this dynamic. But it has to change. And I know to come out and to to tell someone will be really hard because there is shame associated with treating your wife in this way. But the most courageous thing you could do to begin moving to a place of honoring your wife and living with her in an understanding way is is to talk to someone. Get help to change this dynamic please. And I know I've, I've talked strongly to, to husbands today and, and to wives, but just know I mean, it's, it's love, it's a heart for you to be in a better place and for your wife to be in a better place. So please do something if you're in that situation. Big picture, wives, submit to your husbands out of reverence for the Lord. There's so much at stake here. You can win your husband without a word. Husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way. Honor them. There's a lot at stake here. Certainly, the heart of your precious wife is at stake, as well as your relationship with God. You know, you would have to be a person who just shuts off all news, kind of living with your head in the sand, to not know that we live in a day and age... Where relationships between men and women in our world are so messed up, right? I mean, this is leading news every day. We are living at a time when the world desperately needs to see how do men and women relate to each other in ways that are right and good, and I believe that marriage is one of those places where maybe in the brightest, clearest way we can we can we can Paint a picture of what good relationships should look like between men and women. So let's be husbands who model godly love in the way that we love our wives. Let's be wives who model godliness in the way that we love our husbands. Let's do this before a world that desperately needs to see redemption modeled. And that's Peter's point, right? live in such a way that they'll see your good deeds and give, your, give glory to your Father in heaven. May that be true of how we live together in marriage. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for marriage. God, it is a, it is a good gift. I firmly believe marriage is for the welfare of society. And yet, God, it is a painful, hard thing at times as well. Father, we ask this morning that you would give what we as husbands and wives, what we need to love our spouses well in ways that honor you. For those who who have spouses who do not follow Jesus, God, would you give them the capacity to love in a way that might win their spouse to you, O Lord. For every troubled marriage, we pray that you would restore and transform that marriage. Father, we ask that every marriage represented here today would be one that would model redemption for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen.